You're listening to The Staple, an arts and culture podcast, podcast presented by, by the IPRC. The IPRC. Learn, make, share. Oh no! I said I didn't want to do that. <laughs> so let's get a zine for zine talk. Every day, Mercy McNabb had to find one person, a stranger. She had to go up to them. Hi! Make eye contact. Tell them my name. And introduce herself and her project. I'm Mercy McNabb, and can I photograph you? She would tell them what number they were, and what she was doing, and where they could find these images. Can I take your photo today? And she had to do this every day. Hi, I'm Mercy McNabb. I'm working on a photo project, 30 Strangers in 30 Days. Just once a day. I say my name's Mercy McNabb. I'm working on a personal project, 30 Strangers in 30 Days. You're number 17. Every day. And I would like to photograph you as number 17, number 18, number 1, number 30. It was for a photo series she created called 30 Strangers in 30 Days. I had to do one every day before midnight. And so she started the project. Hi, I'm Mercy McNabb and can I photograph you? On day five, she saw these two construction workers. I don't know. They were just so handsome and muscly, and they had these bright, bright colors on, and they had just gotten off work, and they were just like your typical, like, kind of, like, village people a little bit, you know? They had the mustaches. The next day, she spotted a fencer in Laurelhurst Park. I was like, a fencer? With a sword and a mask. I've got to get one of those in my series. She photographed a jewelry maker. This guy makes silver jewelry in my neighborhood. And a bingo rep. He was just so charismatic, and I was just like, who is that guy? And he had all this cash and all these bingo cards. And She found a head chef. Um, you know, this, is, this guy's at a country club. He was the head chef. He wasn't very happy about it. He didn't want his photo taken, but I made him do it anyway. And a pedicurist. Yeah, she was. Uh, that was on my birthday. My friend made me go and um, get a manicure. And so I, I made another friend go and made him get a, pan- a, a pedicure. And that was during his pedicure. She photographed these twin girls in matching dresses. Looks a little bit like The Shining. The person she photographed on day three turned out to be dating the person she photographed on day 25. So that shows you how small Portland is. Only one person said no. And only one person wanted to be paid for it. Yeah, she was just kind of like, this isn't for free, you know, like, yeah. And I was like, okay. And I reached in my pocket and I had $4 and I think she asked for two. And I said, here's four. The idea for this project sprang from an encounter she had with a 90-year-old woman. I was in the southeast in a neighborhood and I loved the pink roses in this front yard. Jumped out of the car, I was photographing the pink roses and this 90-year-old woman came out and she was about four foot nine, you know, 70 pounds or something, and this old dress on and a wig and these huge octagon glasses. And she was so beautiful and playful. And um, I asked if I could shoot her portrait. So she went and she got her hose and she started watering the pink roses and started spraying me with it and just being really playful. And this was probably one of the first times where I shot a stranger and it, be- it was so powerful. I think for me, I, I, um, I get such such a high off of those random moments and just meeting people and whether it's, you know, I end up being lifetime friends with them or I just share a couple minutes with them. For some reason, um, those raw moments are what really, really, um, I don't know, I feel like I'm doing something right when I can share a moment like that with someone, um, a stranger. You know, they don't know me, I don't know them, but there's trust and they're allowing me to capture them and tell their story. And this leads into what drew me to Mercy's work, her continual lunging into the unknown, 
I mean, she has paid gigs. She needs them to survive. She does photography for big companies like Nike and small companies like Fatworks and breweries. She'll do weddings. And I hope this doesn't sound trite, but in addition to all that, she'll create these other side projects for herself to, well, not just survive, but to live. Every three to four months, she'll come up with an idea and start a new project. And I'll push myself and just kind of, um, you know, do things that kind of push, my, push me out of my, um, you know, comfortable zone. Some of her past projects included a calendar of men eating with their shirts off. It's called Get Yo Grub On. It's my friends with their shirts off eating lots of weird, different kind of food. And she photographed 30 cats in eight hours. Uh, the cats were just another project where I was like, can I do it? Can I shoot 30 stranger cats in eight hours? Didn't know any of them. Posted it on Facebook, and I, within hours, had the appointments. So I had a driver, and um, the, we, had a, we had a map, and we'd hit each location, you know, so we would save the time, you know, so we're not all over town. And it was crazy. Cat owners are crazy. Um, and I just got it done, you know, got it done really quickly. But I was going into people's houses that I had no idea who they were, and Probably wasn't the safest thing, maybe, but like I said, I had a driver, so I wasn't alone. And her big one, it's ongoing. It's going to be a collection of 1,000 portraits of Portland creative types. I think at last count, she said she got around 7,000 of them. I've been collecting these these portraits for seven years. Um, And then once I started realizing, I was like, oh my gosh, I have all these portraits. Then I thought I should do a book of Portland creatives uh, because there's just so many of us here, but we're all so different. And I'd love to give that voice. Um, I'm hoping, hoping, hoping um, I will launch it at the right time where I have plenty of time to concentrate on it and give the attention that it needs. And then have this sort of book of a thousand different small business owners and everybody from... um, you know, musicians that have come here and I have photographed them and then they've left, you know, the next day to a musician on Hawthorne Street, you know, working for change. There's just a variety of all over the board. I can't help but be impressed with people like Mercy because I'm the total opposite. I look before I leap. And that's the problem. I keep on looking. And then I'll go home and think about it a little bit. Maybe have something to eat, take a nap. And at some point, I'll go back and take another look. And then after I've looked long enough, then I'll feel ready to write about what it must feel like to take that leap, soaring through the air. Naturally, I admire those who actually live their lives. Um, I, I think I've lost the momentum here. I'm just going to play a little sad trumpet.
Well, I'm feeling better. What else? Oh, Mercy McNabb is not her real name. She changed it. This really is the only thing I wanted to talk to her about. But when you don't know somebody, you can't go straight into the heavy stuff. You need to warm up to it. It's an assumption on my part. I assume nobody takes it lightly when changing their name. I was born Sundance Bleckinger. Then I was adopted and my name was changed. And much later, as an adult, I changed it back. That was pretty big for me and not easy to do. And I was surprised how much it meant. So I'm saying I know what it's like to go through that. And I don't want to make her uncomfortable asking about it, but the hell with it. This is exactly what she's been talking about. So it's always, always, always do more, you know, make yourself uncomfortable. Right. There's always growth um, that happens when you make yourself uncomfortable. Right. Um, so meeting those strangers and putting myself out there can be awkward, um, but I'm loving it. So I do it. I don't say it very well into the microphone, so I'm not going to bother playing you my boring voice, but I tell her about my name change and ask her if it was a similar experience for her. And it wasn't. Not at all. My birth name, I'm from the Midwest, and it just seems so vanilla. Um, As an artist, when I was signing my art, I wanted something different, you know? And um, I liked Mercy McNabb. I liked the ring of it. Um, It's something that was just rolled off your tongue really easily. There, a lot of people don't meet a lot of mercies. Um, and so it was just kind of a tactic to just kind of boost myself as an artist so people remember me. You might call that a sad trombone. And, and don't worry, I don't play the trombone. I do write, though. I spent the past few years working on a novel, which meant a lot of time imagining how people might act and think, and I almost forgot the joy of finding out how other people really act and think. Usually, they're more sane than I think they are. Here's Mercy. It literally started just signing it, and no one called me Mercy. Um, And then when I moved to the West Coast, I I moved here in 2008 to to have a career in photography, um, and my friends just started calling me that. And then I would start meeting people, and I'd have a hard time introducing myself, but my business card saying Mercy McNabb. It was confusing. So it naturally happened. It, it wasn't, I wasn't uh, running from anything or had a different personality. It was just kind of a pseudo name um, that represents my art. And that line, she's not running from something. It reminded me of this old documentary called Judoka. I'm sure I'm pronouncing it wrong. It's from the 60s. It's about Doug Rogers, this Canadian who moved to Japan at age 19 to train with the judo masters. When I finally made up my mind to leave home, it was hard to explain, even to myself, that I wasn't running away from anything, but that I was running towards something. I think that perfectly matches Mercy's name change story. For most people, I think, there's a point where you realize what you like and what you want to become. Whether you like kids and you want to be a teacher, or you like painting, or botany, or whatever. For artists, I think it's a little more vague, but you have this hazy idea of where you're going and what you want to do. And for Mercy, that name was a more tangible idea of where she was going this photographer she was becoming, this photographer she has become. 
And of course, it has the double benefit of allowing her to maintain a bit of a private life. I don't know. I enjoy having this secret name. I, you cannot find my real name online. No one knows me as that. I'm somewhat of a private person. Um, and so I like it. I like being able to be private and just kind of being known as the artist Mercy McNabb. Well, that was our episode. Check out more of Mercy's work at mercymcnab.com and pick up a copy of Eleven PDX Magazine. It's gorgeous, and Mercy's the visual arts director. This episode was produced and edited by myself, Sonny Bleckinger. The audio got some extra massaging by audio expert Robert Maciel. All of the music in this episode was generously provided by Toe, this band out of Japan that I can't stop listening to. Toe, as in Big Toe or Pinky Toe. Their website is www.toe.st. You can subscribe to this podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, Player FM, or TuneIn. Questions or comments? Send us an email at podcast at iprc.org. Thanks for listening. Thank you.